Hey, and welcome to this podcast by Chestnut Mountain Church, located in Flowery Branch, Georgia, where our mission is to saturate the world by making disciples. We invite you to check out our website at chestnutmountain.org and follow us on social on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at chestnutmtn underscore to learn more about who we are. There are also video episodes located on our YouTube channel, along with other content not on this podcast. This episode features a sermon replay from Sunday's message. Let's take a listen. We're going to start today where the story started for Joseph, the father of Jesus here on this earth. And if you know anything about the story, you know how it kind of plays out. Joseph finds out that his fiancee is pregnant with a child. And because he knows their relationship, he knows them, he understands that, wait a minute, that's not my child. I know for a fact that's not mine. I'll let you fill in the blanks. Then he goes on to say that that we see in just a moment as he begins to process all of these things, we realize that chaos has always gone with Christmas. Because I believe for, for a man, I believe that in that moment that he heard this, the chaos was introduced to his mind. Was he overwhelmed with fear? Was he overwhelmed with worry? Did he have a lot of questions? What was going on? Did he, did he fear the outcome? Was he frustrated with his fiancee? And we see probably all this chaos was going on in his mind. But one thing that we do know about Joseph is that he truly, genuinely loved Mary. Because the Bible says that he, he loved her because he didn't want to disgrace her. He didn't want attention to be brought to her name. He didn't want people to look at her differently. And so we know that he loved her. And so Joseph put together this exit plan as to how can we kind of just make it go away so the attention's not given to it. And so as he has put this exit plan together, we know that right after this is when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph. If you've got your Bible, I want you to turn to Matthew chapter one. Matthew chapter one, and we're just gonna read a few verses, and I will go ahead and warn you, I know for the last probably month and a half, we've been in the book of James, so there's not been a lot of flipping. That's not gonna be the case today. We're gonna be flipping, okay? So you can flip. It'll be on the screen if you get confused when we flip. Um, So I just want you to be able to follow along because the reality is, is God's word is what is gonna transform our heart and lives. But Matthew chapter one, verse 20 through 23. But after he, he is Joseph, he had considered these things, considered these things, he's talking about this plan that Joseph had put together. After he had thought about him, after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. See, the virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son and they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God is with us. 
So what I want us to do is, and over the next few weeks, is we're gonna truly focus on this word, Emmanuel. What does it mean? And I love it when the Bible is so clear that it says, and this word is translated, God with us. In the original language, he would have been given the name, the with us God. I don't know about you, but that's very encouraging that he doesn't come to be with us. He stays with us. And we're going to go in more detail about that in just a moment. But if you look, as we read verse 23 in this passage, in your Bible, it's probably in, in bold print, that one phrase is, or that, that little passage of scripture, or maybe it's italicized, or more, maybe it's, it's segmented, put in a place sort of by itself. That is to help us identify what is being quoted from the Old Testament. And we heard that it was spoken of as a, from a prophet. So if you've got your Bible again, I want you to flip to Isaiah chapter seven. Isaiah chapter seven. And you're gonna see what we're about to read is the very words that we just read in Matthew chapter one. But in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, you'll see this statement here, this verse, it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. See, the virgin will conceive and have a son and name him Emmanuel. You see, this, this message from the prophet came in just the perfect time. Because if you go back and you read the earlier chapters of, of Isaiah, you will discover that, that King Ahaz was looking after God's children, was the king of Israel or the king of the children of Israel. And they were at a place and a circumstance and a situation in their life where they needed hope. They needed some good news. They needed life because they found themselves living in bondage. They found themselves oppressed. They found themselves living in darkness. And they were in a place that their hearts were very unsettled. They were very nervous about what was to come because they didn't know what the future looked like because they were in such shambles in this current condition. But if you look in Isaiah chapter seven, look at what it says in verse two. It helps us understand their condition, the condition of, of their emotions. It says, when it became known to the house of David that Aram and have occupied Euphram, the heart of Ahaz and the hearts of his people trembled like trees of a forest shaking in the wind. We see the heart, the condition of their heart. They were overwhelmed because of their circumstances. The Bible says they were so overwhelmed that their heart trembled like the leaves on a tree in the wind. And so what is just mind-blowing is they find themselves in bondage. They find themselves in oppression. They find themselves in darkness. But the reality is they find themselves there because of their own choices. They find themselves in their current condition because of the sin in their life, because of their disobedience. But God in his love and his mercy, that he loved his children enough, he saw and knew the condition of their heart, God decides to send them a message. And that message is the one that I shared just a moment ago that we read in Isaiah 7, that we also read in Matthew chapter 1. But I love how he prepared them for the message that he was about to give them. I love when God is just blunt. Keep in mind, they're overwhelmed with their circumstances, they're worried, they're facing fear and anxiety. But look at what God says for Isaiah to inform them of in verse four. Say to them, calm down, 
and be quiet. Don't be afraid or cowardly. Calm down, be quiet, and don't be afraid or act cowardly. I put myself in their shoes. Can you imagine what they felt when that message was delivered? They're worried, they're in bondage, they're scared, they don't know what tomorrow's gonna hold, they don't know what the future looks like. And then all of a sudden, this guy named Isaiah shows up and says, I have a word from God, calm down and be quiet. Have you ever been in a situation where you were overwhelmed with circumstances in life, you were overwhelmed with fear, you didn't know what tomorrow was gonna hold, and then that person just comes up to you, puts their arm around you, and says, don't worry about it, buddy, old pal, it's all gonna get better. Are y'all anything like me? What do you wanna do when they do that? Introduce them to the backside of my hand. What do you mean don't worry? What do you mean don't fear? You're not living in my circumstances, so how dare you tell me to be quiet, not worry, don't fear. But you know it, what I love about this passage is he tells them, be quiet, don't fear, don't act cowardly, but then he gives them the reason why they don't have to fear. And he says that in verse seven, you don't have to fear because Emmanuel is coming. You don't have to fear. You don't have to worry. You don't have to fret. Because the with us God is about to show up. God with us is coming to you. But here's the beauty of what they're gonna find out later. Not only does he come to be with them, but he comes to deliver them. He doesn't come just to be with them, but he comes to deliver them. And so we see this, this message that goes from God, that goes to Isaiah, that goes to King Ahaz and his people. Then we fast forward 800 years. That's when the context of Matthew chapter one is taking place. 800 years from when this was beginning to be prophesied about. That Emmanuel is coming. So as you fast forward 800 years what Joseph has just heard, your fiance, whom you've never been with, is pregnant with a child. So probably they can relate to a lot of the same emotional feelings. The worry, the fear, the stress, not knowing what tomorrow was gonna hold because of the news that he just heard. But in so many words, in the midst of his fear, in the midst of his worry, an angel of the Lord showed up in his sleep and essentially said the same thing that Isaiah said, calm down, be quiet, because Emmanuel's coming. Now, Emmanuel to Joseph was a little bit different. It was to King Ahaz and his people for just the small detail of that Emmanuel, the with us God was showing up in the form of his child, in the form of this little bitty baby is how Emmanuel was about to make himself known. And so when you think about that, okay, the creator God, he said he's coming to be with his people. And isn't that some mighty fortress? Isn't that some, some warrior? And the fact that he decides this warrior, the redeemer, shows up in the form of an infant baby, 
just honestly brings a mystery to this whole story. And I know that because that's exactly what Timothy writes about in 1 Timothy. Go ahead and flip to 1 Timothy chapter three. We're gonna flip one more time after this one and that's it. But 1 Timothy chapter three, verse 16, it sort of makes sense or makes sense of this whole mystery of the God create, creator God coming to earth in the form of a child. How does that look? How is that gonna work? And Timothy explains that in verse 16 of 1 Timothy chapter three. And most certainly, the mystery of godliness is great. He was manifested in the flesh, vindicated in the spirit, seen by the angels, preached among the nations, believed on in the world, and then taken up in glory. So right there, we see the entire context, the entire reality of how Emmanuel was gonna show up. It's all there, of how it was all gonna look, how it was all gonna play itself out. And you see that in the very beginning of verse 16. He is talking about God. It says, he, God, manifested himself in the flesh. Well, what does it mean to manifest himself in the flesh? It means that creator God was wanting to make himself tangible to mankind. And so he did that by the way of pouring all that he was into the shell of a baby, into the flesh of a baby child, to a small little being. It meant that God creator was gonna take all of his love, all of his compassion, all of his mercy, all of his grace, all of his forgiveness, and pour it out into this child. Pour himself out so that Jesus could be among the people. Emptying himself into the skin of a human being. And so I'm very simple-minded. I think I say that every single week. And so I was thinking this week of God, help that make sense to my mind that you poured yourself out. And I can remember going back to my elementary school days, which was a very long time ago. Walked to school uphill both ways in the snow. You know, I'm not that old yet, I promise. But I can remember that every Christmas, we had the most favorite arts and crafts for me, is we would make a candle every year. And we would make that candle, and I knew the candle was coming when the teacher would remind us, hey, make sure that you bring your milk carton back from lunch. And I was like, oh yeah, we getting to make candles today. But we would take this empty milk carton back to class, and as soon as we got to class, we were told to cut the top of the milk carton off the top, and then all of a sudden, we were, we were obviously entrusted with the teacher. We were given this red wax or green wax, whatever color you so choose to be in your candle, and in that candle, we were given glitter. We were given all these Christmas decorations, everything we could, and as the candle melted, we began to place all of those items that we wanted to see on display for Christmas. We placed them in this hot wax, and then all of a sudden, all of the content that was boiling 
up, that was being heated up, was poured into this empty candle. So everything that we had put in there was placed inside this candle so that we could see all of the content in front of us of everything that we wanted to celebrate for that Christmas. And God went, that's exactly the simplicity of me pouring out all that I am into the fleshly mold of a child. It's that simple. I poured all of me out so that a whole world could see who I was. And so this is how God manifested himself. All of his love and all of his compassion was poured into this baby named Jesus. And if you keep reading in verse 16, it says he was vindicated in the spirit. He was seen by the angels. He preached to the nations. So this is the display of God himself for the eyes of mankind to see, to touch, to feel. And Jesus lived out all of the attributes that had been poured inside of him. And so as we read this, the Bible says the result of that, it says that they believed on him. Because he walked with them, because the angels saw him, the people saw him, they heard him preach, and as a result of that, they believed that Jesus was the Messiah. And so as you read that passage, I don't know about you, but I almost read it, and you can just feel the energy building. That God became, he manifested himself in the spirit, like he, he became himself and manifested himself in the life of a child. And all of a sudden, God came to earth and it says that he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He, the angels saw him, the people saw him, he preached the gospel, people were saved. And then all of a sudden, the last line, it says, and then he went away. I don't know about you, but I read that and it's just like, wah, wah, wah. You feel the excitement building. Creator God has came to earth to save all of mankind. He's preaching, he's teaching, he's loving. He's pouring out all of the attributes that are inside of him. The world is being changed as a result. And then all of a sudden, according to what verse 16 says, it says that he was taken up to glory. And when you read about this event in Acts chapter one, Jesus is talking to the disciples, the very ones that have been with him all throughout his ministry. And the Bible says that as he was taken up into glory, it says that they, they gazed into heaven, meaning that they looked at it kind of with uncertainty. They looked at it with awe, disbelief. They were blown away at what they had seen. You know, I oftentimes try to put myself in the shoes of, of people in the Bible, and I can only imagine the way that I would have felt if I had been walking with Jesus and watching Jesus perform miracles, watching Jesus love people, and then all of a sudden he's gone. I know me well enough to know that, oh, ye of little faith, I would have probably been saddened. I would have been overwhelmed at the situation I probably would have been worried, uncertain. And in my mind, I'm playing it out. I had him, but now he's gone. And while we don't know if that's how the disciples felt in Acts chapter one, we don't know. There's really no scripture that says how they felt in the moment he ascended. The only thing we see is that he gazed. But what we do know is they felt that way. They felt saddened. 
when Jesus told him it was gonna happen. The last time, turn to John chapter 16. John chapter 16. And this is when Jesus is informing the disciples of what they're gonna see, of what's gonna take place. He says in verse five, but now I am going away to him who sent me. And not one of you ask me, where are you going yet? Because I have spoken these things to you. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Do you kind of hear uh, a common message going all the way back to King Ahaz? He's overwhelmed with emotion. He's overwhelmed with uncertainty. Isaiah shows up on the scene and tells him that Emmanuel is coming. Fast forward 800 years. We know that Joseph is potentially feeling a lot of the same emotion, a lot of the same worry, a lot of the same fear, a lot of the uncertainty he's facing. And then all of a sudden, an angel of the Lord shows up to Joseph and tells him, Emmanuel is coming. And now all of a sudden we see the Bible says that when Jesus told the disciples, their hearts were saddened. But what does Jesus in turn tell him? In so many words, Emmanuel is coming. God is coming. Now the name he uses is a little bit different. It's comforter. Some of your Bibles probably say counselor. And this is what we would know as the Holy Spirit. And so what we've unpacked already that you can see from Ahaz to Joseph, now as we're looking at the disciples and the ascension of Christ, we've unpacked the entire trinity. We've unpacked the entire Godhead, three in one, that sometimes is very hard to comprehend for us in our human minds. So we've seen God manifest himself coming to earth. Why? to be with us. We saw him do it by the way of a baby named Jesus, and Jesus walked among the people, walked with the people, talked to the people, loved the people. Why? To be with us. And now as Jesus tells the disciples, I've gotta go away, but be quiet. Don't worry, don't be fearful, calm down because I'm coming again by way of the comforter. Why? To be with you, to be with us. And I don't know about you, but what Jesus says there in verse seven, what I'm telling you is the truth, that it is for your benefit that I go away. 
Jesus, how can it be for my benefit? Jesus, I've loved watching you. I've loved walking with you. I've loved talking with you. But the reason Jesus speaks of him going away so that the comforter can be sent, the reason that it's called a benefit is because even in that context, Jesus being 100% God and 100% man was limited to the location of a physical body of a human being. So this is where God was, is where Jesus was. And he says, because I'm ascending back to heaven and I send the comforter, now I'm no longer limited to my body. That's the beauty of why I can't wait to the end of this month when our team from Chestnut Mountain Church goes to Cambodia and they share the gospel with Jesus Christ on the other side of the world and the Spirit of God is gonna draw people into a relationship with him, save people in Cambodia, and all at the same time be here in our midst and drawing people to himself here. Praise be unto God, he's not limited to the body of a man. The presence of God, this is the omnipresence of God. This is why the Spirit, the presence of God can be with me in my home, can be with you in your home, can be with us in this house, can be at Christ's place this morning in that house, can be at Free Chapel in that house, can be at the people online in their house. It's because God, the Holy Spirit of God, has no limits. He has no limits. And that is why Jesus calls it a benefit There's a book that J.D. Greer wrote, and I loved it when he says this statement. He says, we're better off with Jesus in us than Jesus beside us. We're better off with Jesus in us than beside us. And this is why the writer of Hebrews, he says with such confidence to the child of God, And I want you to hear this morning, and I want you to cling to this this morning. He says, the writer of Hebrews says, be satisfied with what you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you or abandon you. We often stop there. And if we stop there, that's great news. Because of the spirit living in us, he says that we will never be left alone. He says, I will never leave you nor abandon you. But we gotta keep reading And he goes on to say that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? That is all because Jesus left and sent the comforter, sent his presence, sent his spirit to indwell inside of us. And when I hear that God promises me that he will never leave me nor abandon me. That brings peace that doesn't make sense. That brings joy that is hard for me to comprehend. And so today as we have unpacked this this idea of in our context, in this day and age, that Emmanuel is coming, that God is here, that God is with us. I believe that a message like this today is twofold. For the believer in the room, my prayer today has been that it would serve as a reminder. That today would serve as a reminder to the believer and for those who are apart from God, who don't have a relationship with God, I pray today that you hear it as an invitation that the Spirit of God 
is coming to you. And child of God, what I want you to know today, if you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, you've repented of your sins and you've trusted in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Christ for salvation, be reminded today that you're never alone. The psalmist writes in chapter 139 of Psalms, where can I go to escape your spirit? Where can I go to flee from your presence? To answer that question, the answer is absolutely nowhere. There's nowhere you can go and hide from the presence of God because you are the temple of the almighty God. He dwells inside you. And so for the child of God this morning, I don't know what you're facing I don't know what you're walking through, but what I want you to hear this morning that in your sorrow, as a Georgia Bulldog, in your sorrow, he is with you. I had to mention it. I've done so good all morning, I ain't said a word about it. So in your sorrow, he is with you. And guess what? In your victory, Alabama, he is with you too, maybe. I think the jury's still out on that one. I'm just kidding. But as a child of God this morning, it doesn't matter what you struggle with today. Be encouraged that he is with you. That there's nowhere you can go to escape his presence. He's with you in sorrow. He's with you in victory. He's with you in struggle. And it doesn't need to go unsaid. And I want you to hear this today. He is with you in your sinfulness. The presence of God, the spirit of God is with you in your sinfulness. He says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that includes when we fall flat on our face. That includes when we give into temptation. That includes when we pick back up the chains that God has already destroyed and broken. He still says, I am with you. Now look, when he's with us in our sinfulness, it's probably gonna come with conviction. He's probably come, come with a, the reality of making you feel a little bit miserable at times. But what we have to do as a child of God is we've got to cling to that conviction. We've got to cling to that being uncomfortable and let it play as a reminder that Emmanuel is with me. He loves me enough to convict me. And isn't it encouraging that when we fall short, he doesn't leave. Church, do you know how undeserving we are of just that one simple truth? That when I fall short, my God doesn't leave me. And I pray today that that serves as a reminder to you as a child of God that it doesn't matter what you've fallen back into. God hadn't gone anywhere.
But for the unbeliever that's in the room today, those who don't have a relationship with God, if you're here this morning, I know without a doubt the Spirit of God is moving. And my prayer has been that He's inviting you into a relationship that you may not fully understand. And a pastor friend of mine, I heard it posted this week, Pastor Jason Britt from Bethlehem. He said, aren't we thankful that he came to us when we couldn't get to him? Because the truth is, is there's people that are apart from God in this room that you think you have the ability in you to get to him. You're trying to do this, you're trying to do that, and with every attempt, you think you're making your way, you're climbing up each rung of the ladder, and then all of a sudden, you fall back into temptation. It's as you come crashing all the way back down to the bottom of the ladder, but praise be unto God, because Emmanuel is with us. He is at the bottom of the ladder waiting on you, because he's wanting to say, my child, you can't do it. That's the very reason I came. Yes, I know without a doubt there's people here today that you need to hear that simple truth that he came to us when we couldn't get to him. Revelation chapter three, verse 20. This is what that invitation looks like today. Jesus says, see, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and he opens the door, I will come to him and eat with him and he with me. You see the simple truth of what I just read in Revelation chapter three is that he says, I stand at the door and knock. What I've never thought about when it comes to that text is that Jesus came to the door. He's the one that came to the door. And according to what the text says, he's knocking. He's knocking. When we couldn't get to him, he came to us. And so this morning, there's no doubt in my mind that there's people here that Jesus Christ himself, the spirit of God, the comforter, the counselor is knocking on your heart's door and saying, my child, just open up and let me in. Are you gonna simply open up and place your faith in what he's already done? And so as we respond this morning in worship, Maybe as a child of God, you just simply need to fall on your face and say, thank you, Lord, that you're still with me. Maybe as a child of God, you've strayed. Maybe as a child of God, you've fallen back into temptation and sin. And the enemy's telling you there's no way he loves you. There's no way because of what you've done. I want you to hear loud and clear this morning the words of our Savior. I will never leave you or abandon you. And you just simply fall on your face and say, thank you, God, that you never left me. But my prayer is today 
is that for those who are apart from God with no relationship, that you would recognize that, that knock on your heart's door today. And I pray that you're so uncomfortable. I pray that you're miserable. Because all of us in the room as a child of God, you remember when he came to you. You just heard testimony. Where did he come? He didn't necessarily come to church. He came to a service truck. He came right over here and met a young lady. I've heard testimony of where he's met people in the bathroom. You know why? Because Emmanuel loves you. He came to you when you couldn't get to him. And so my prayer is that this morning, I don't know where you're at, but if you're today and you're apart from God, recognize the heart, the heart today that God is knocking on and say, I've got to quit trying and I've got to trust him today. But Brian, you don't know what following Jesus will cost me. If I follow Jesus, it's gonna cost me my family. It's gonna cost me my home. It'll cost me everything. Even in that, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you made a decision or if you have any questions about salvation or anything about this Christian journey, one of our pastors would love to connect with you. So to connect and find out what your next steps are, go to our website at chestnutmountain.org slash next steps, and there will be a form for you to fill out so one of our pastors can connect with you. We also want you to do three things right now. Number one, leave a review on this podcast. Tell us what you think. And also, a review allows us to reach even more people. Number two, subscribe to this podcast if you haven't already so you don't miss an episode during the week. And number three, we want you to go check out our Chestnut Mountain Church YouTube channel. So maybe there's some visuals in this episode that you couldn't see but wanted to see. And that's why we have video versions of these episodes along with other content not featured on this podcast right now on our YouTube channel. Lastly, we invite you to join us live for worship on Sunday mornings in person at 9 o'clock or 1045 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or online at 1045 as well. Learn more about us on our website at chestnutmountain.org and don't forget to follow us on social at chestnutmtn underscore for more encouragement and to see all what God is doing in and through CMC. We love you, we're praying for you, and we'll see you next time.